what I've seen is, I mean, a lot of people that had businesses that were reliant on in-person training rooms or in-person speaking have been really hit hard initially, and they're all looking to pivot their programs. And as they pivot their programs to online, they suddenly realize that, hey, I've got access now to a much bigger audience. (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you by Grammarly. Don't rely on built-in spell checks. They're garbage. Get a free lifetime account with Grammarly and watch the quality of your writing skyrocket. When I got brutal reviews from early reviewers, I used Grammarly to turn around from my bestseller, Serve No Master, the week before launch. Tens of thousands of satisfied readers later, I know Grammarly saved my bacon. Let it save yours at servenomaster.com front slash Grammarly. Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now. Then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to have you guys here for a very special episode of the Serve No Master Podcast. We have an amazing interview with Jurgen Strauss, and he's someone who's amazing. He's the founder and chief innovator in InnovaBiz. He's passionate about helping businesses achieve exceptional results through innovation and modern human marketing. As the host of the InnovaBuzz Innovation Podcast, Jurgen has been privileged to interview entrepreneurs from all around the world, and we're certainly having an international interview right now. He's also a mentor for the largest global community of websites and digital marketing consultants. And prior to founding InnovaBiz, he worked in the science and chemical industries, leading large global multinational teams across Asia, Europe, India, North America, and even Australia. He spent years at the intersection of technology, science, human behavior, marketing, and business management. Nowadays, Jurgen uses his considerable skills and talents to specialize in innovative digital strategy and marketing, particularly making marketing more human again in online marketing and lead generation strategies, as well as podcast development and project management. Wow, that's a whole mouthful. You've got so many things you've accomplished. But the thing I want to dial into there is that you call making marketing more human again. And that's interesting to me because when I first decided to work in online business, I said, you know what? I'm never going to speak to another human again. I'm done. I'm going to do it all online. It's going to be magical. And I started my business in my mom's basement and I was like, I'm never leaving. I got fired from my last job. I never want to experience this again. And it turns out it's not really possible. Even though I'm working online, it is a lot about human connection. So tell us exactly what you mean by making it human again. Yeah, that's exactly right, Jonathan. It is about uh, human connections. First of all, let me say it's a privilege to be on this show with you and and share some thoughts and uh, hopefully a meaningful conversation with your audience. Um, but yeah, coming back to making marketing human again, it is very much by uh, very much about human connection and and relationships, and that that's the key to everything around business and marketing in my mind. So. When technology came along, there was this tendency, particularly for us that are a little bit introverted, that perhaps feel intimidated by going along to large networking events and having to speak to total strangers. You know, we were all brought up to say, don't, don't talk to strangers. You know, it could be dangerous. So we, we still carry that in our unconscious mind somewhere. But uh, the key thing to remember is that if you have a service or a product that you're wanting to sell to somebody else, it really is the human connection that is first and foremost in all of that interaction. And in this day of modern technology, we can use technology to have these human connections like we're doing now. 
And that's where I think the things have gotten a little bit derailed with modern technology. We have things like automated email marketing systems and various other automated tools and people think that they can abdicate all the relationship building to those tools. Whereas what I encourage everyone to do is use those tools to free up your time from the mundane repetitive tasks and allow yourself to spend that time you gain on building and deepening those human relationships again. I think that's really good because a lot of times, especially as you get a larger following, it moves and people start to become statistics. You start to think about what percentage of people open an email, what percentage of people click something, and you only look at like total numbers or stats and you stop thinking about, you know, if I'm selling a product, whether it's $7 or 7,000, this is a person making a real decision with real money that's really going to affect their lives. And it does become easy to impersonalize or depersonalize your audience, especially once you get to a certain point where it's hard to reply to every email you get every day. I'm still at the point where I can reply to everyone individually. And that is really where we start to form the connection because otherwise you forget who's who, or you forget what people, different things are. And you just think, well, okay, this is my main demographic. This is my secondary demographic. And you use words like psychographics and you look at people's interests, but it is easy to forget that like, there's no group listening to this podcast. It's all individuals who have their own lives and hopes and dreams. And it becomes almost sometimes like a guessing game, like trying to guess what they want or what the majority of them want. And sometimes I do, I get emails from people like, Oh, Jonathan, I didn't like the last thing you emailed about. And I'm like, it's very hard to please everyone. So I say, you know, some people like that and some people didn't, and you don't have to like every email. I'm just hoping that overall there's enough messages or enough things I teach about that you find interesting and it is you're exactly right that i meet a lot of people who have much bigger followings i mean one of my friends his following is literally 100 times the size of mine and yet i get almost as many clicks in my emails or almost as many responses and that's because he really has such a big audience that they're totally depersonalized and so very few of them respond and that's the thing i always say people are always like oh i want to have these really cool email templates and i want to email just like amazon or email just like ebay i'm like yeah but no one likes them no one is friends <laughs> with Amazon. Like no one, when people buy from me, it's because they like Jonathan. And I think that connection is so important. And that's why it's unfortunate that sometimes people want to get to the level where they depersonalize and you actually decrease your response rate or your connection so much that your sales plummet and it takes a long, you have to get 10 times or a hundred times more people following you even to do that, even to catch up to where you were when you had a personal connection you seem to use a different marketing framework than other people. And I'm interested in learning about that. How do you see marketing compared to a lot of the other agencies out there that are just like, we run Facebook ads, we do demographics and we get you a certain number of opt-ins. We charge this much money. It's so depersonalized. Are you doing something different? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to unpack in what you've said there. And, and you know, the, the first thing in my mind is to transform the mindset from selling a product or a service to taking your ideal dream client from their problem state or their before state, we call it, which is where they've got a problem that you have something that can solve that problem to their after state. So it's not about selling them the thing that will solve the problem. It's about actually solving the problem, helping them, enabling them to solve the problem. So that that's uh, a little bit subtle, but it is quite a dramatic change in mindset. And then if you, in the example you gave where somebody comes back to you and says, well, 
you know, I didn't really resonate with that last email you sent. Well, that's an opportunity to get some feedback and to learn more about your audience. That doesn't mean to say you have to have a one-on-one conversation with everyone if you've got a large number. But again, if you focus on deepening relationships with the audience, with the ideal clients that you're targeting, rather than just building up a, a really large list for your email list, that's again, a very subtle shift. So our entire, we've got a 12 step marketing framework that is kind of predicated on those philosophies. And it's also focused around the concept of a journey, a customer journey. It's kind of based on a little bit, the hero's journey, the uh, monomyth by Joseph Campbell and the variant that Jonathan Vogler um, put on that, which is a 12 step hero's journey. He did a lot of studies around, you know, how movies and stories were created based on the, the work of Campbell. And we take that and we say, well, the business and the customer of that business are essentially going on this journey together. And the journey starts with the business being really clear about who they are, why they're in business, and then you know what they actually do and who they do it for. And then going through the various customer journeys, because you know there's there's been a lot of work done recently, and a lot of uh, articles published by Google people at Google. If you check out Think with Think with Google, there's lots of really great articles there about how convoluted the customer journey is these days. That it's not just a linear thing. So I, you know, there's there's the funnel theory of marketing, which you know I have a problem with anyway because it it's not leads and and so on it's people and the funnel is kind of very linear whereas the customer journey is actually much more complex than that if you try to break it down into a simple framework what we look at it is there's at least four types of customer journeys so there's people that kind of they don't know anything about you they discover you and they say no that that's not for me so they leave again so that's one customer journey there's people that come into that journey and say, this looks interesting. I I want to know more. So they're looking for information. There's people that come in and immediately resonate with what you have. They, they say, this is exactly the problem I have. You have the solution for me. So tell me more. How can I buy? So they're ready to buy. And then there's people that are not ready to buy, but they do like what you do. So they say, you know, can I kind of follow you? Can I jump into a community that you run? Can I, get on your email list. So there's kind of four different journeys there and four different people. Now, most automated systems then are set up in a way that those four people will all get the same emails. They'll all get the same responses. And yet they're in different parts of that journey. So it really is important. You know, you can set up automated email systems, but you set them up in a way that you segment people according to where they are in their journey and you meet them where they are on their journey so that the people that want more information, you give them the information that you're prepared to share without charge. And that information needs to be focused again, as I said at the beginning, the mindset of helping them or enabling them to solve their problem, to reach their goals, whether they end up becoming a customer or not. And then the other, the third kind of segment of our 12-step framework, the four steps are all about after the sale. So a lot of the marketing programs out there, they get to the sale and they say, beauty, that's it, we're done. 
But at that point, you know, if you think of a book you've bought or you think of a training program you've purchased, I mean, how many of those have you then put on the bookshelf or filed away in your, in your hard drive without having completed them and without having achieved the result that that program promised you? And not because there was something wrong with the program, simply because you haven't actually followed through. Something else has come up. Um, your attention's been diverted to something else. Now, imagine if those books or those training programs had a follow-up program. They held you accountable. They provided you more assistance and more information after they've had the sale as part of the whole program to take you to the goal that you want to achieve. So that's part of, of marketing in my mind, the next step. And then once, you know, once you've satisfied that customer, there's two other things that are really important as marketers, I think, and that's turning those people into raving fans. They've now had a great experience with you. So they're your biggest marketing assets right now. They're going to go and tell people what a wonderful experience we've had. We've, we've achieved this goal with the help of this product or service. And the other part, of course, is as you grow your business and have more things to offer, they're your ideal clients. They already love and trust you. So they're the first people you should be offering that to. Whereas, you know, most, most companies that I see, they offer specials to new customers. They're focused on getting new customers on board. And they, you know, the, I mean, the typical one is here's a special deal we've got. Um, but it's only for new customers. So they even penalize existing customers. So to me, that's all part of the marketing journey. And then, of course, we talk about how do you scale the entire process, the entire journey? How do you take that and grow your business by just repeating the same processes and systems, uh, tightening up your systems as part of that? I think that's what you said is really interesting because that happened to me last week. I was using this software and they said, oh, you know, you only get access to the special upgrade if, you, if you're a new customer. I said, cool, close my account. And I just opened a new account with a different email address, you know, and yeah, took yeah. That because I wanted that additional help with the setup, right? With the software tool, they go, oh, we'll help you set it up if you're a brand new customer. I was like, oh, because I tried it a few years ago, I don't get that, no thanks. And now I have it set up on a different email address, which is annoying. And eventually I'll switch it back right to my main email. But I do find it interesting that people are always ignoring their existing customers when that really is where the best business is that's where the relationship is and then i know you talk about something that's called transformational transformational marketing and i'm interested in that idea because we often i know for me especially that like it is hard to keep track of where everyone is on their journey and to meet people where they are sometimes uh, especially because it's sometimes you don't know like trying to find out where people mm -hmm. are and trying to keep people unless they respond to my emails you know i have so many issues like many of my friends, like how do I get people to go through the course once they bought it? And we try all of these techniques with whether it's gamification and badges or sending follow-up emails or even having a phone call. And sometimes people, even who buy my most expensive products, they're like not answering the phone. They won't answer their emails. So I am curious how we can take someone on a transformational journey when they're, it's so challenging for me. I'd love to get better at that. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely a, a challenge for everyone. And it comes back a little bit to there's so much noise out there on the internet. And the the idea of the transformation comes back to, you know, what we what we call the actual process or the, the whole journey. So if you think of the focus on delivering 
an outcome for the customer, delivering their desired result, transforming them basically from where they are now, their before state with the problem that you have something that will help them solve to the after state, which is, you know, their problem solved. They never have that problem again. And, you know, they know, in fact, they know if it's something that comes up again and again, they know how to deal with it in future without your help because you've taught them something or you've given them a tool. So that's the idea of the transformation. Now, in terms of how do you, how do you keep people engaged and keep them accountable and help them along their way? Again, everybody's going to be different. So everybody is at a different place in their journey. Once they buy your product or let's, let's say a training program, they're all in different places as well. And I know, you know, I'm thinking of an experience I'm having right now where I'm in a fairly large training program. It's an awesome program. It's massive value and I'm getting great value out of it, uh, but I'm not progressing through it at a rate that I want. And I'm sure that the person that's provided it to me who very much has this philosophy of helping me achieve my goal is probably frustrated that I'm not more engaged and progressing more rapidly. And that comes back to, you know, I've got so many other things going on. And so I just kind of deprioritize this a little bit. What I've seen people doing really well, it's, it comes back to that human engagement. So having conversations with people, and this doesn't need to be one-on-one in those instances with training programs, it could be a, a webinar with the whole cohort going through the training if it's a time training. So you might have a cohort going through that started a month ago. And, and so you have regular conferences or, or webinars with those people or just Zoom calls that you kind of partner people up as accountability buddies. You engage people by, you know, what are the problems that are common here and then you, you try to address those problems from your point of view but you also engage the community to help one another solve those problems because what I find in in some of the examples that I've been involved in that were really good is you know and this has happened to me I've gone on there and I've given advice to other people in the program and I've been a trainee of that program and then I think I sort of turn the mirror on myself and reflect back and I think hmm that's great advice. I should take that myself. So, you know, you can have these community events, if you like, where people will actually help themselves by helping others. And if you structure that in the right way, you start to get some engagement where people perhaps are reluctant to engage one-on-one, reply to emails or so on, because they're perhaps afraid to put up their hand and like me say, well, you know, I've been slow on this program. I haven't done my homework that we agreed to last week or whatever it might be. Whereas in these group things, if you set up an environment, it's safe to ask questions here. It's okay to put your hand up and say, well, I haven't actually done the last module like we agreed on because there's a whole lot of other things going on in my life. But how can we support you? How can we support you to get to the result? Again, focused on, you know, we want to get you to the result the goal that you're wanting to achieve with our program. That's really powerful because I'm always working on community ideas and connection and letting people know that it's okay to say that they are a little bit behind and not feel bad is really good. I, when I go through courses, I never do the live version. So I went through a course. <laughs> yeah. recently. I was really excited by it. I said, I don't want to do the live version. I want to be able to watch the videos at 1.5 speed because I'm so busy. I got mm. three kids. My wife is pregnant. I already run a big business. I'm working all the time, but I do want to learn this. So, 
I do learn in my own way. And I know some people learn that. So even though I watch, I said, whenever someone's like, oh, we're doing a live training, I'm like, oh no, because then I got to be there at a certain time. And because I live in a different time zone, it's always a challenge, but there is so much more connection. Whenever I teach a lesson live, it always becomes something different because I get so much feedback and I go, oh, people are stuck, not where I thought they would be. So I love to know, you know, in my programs where a lot of people get stuck because then I can change or fix it or figure out how to overcome that hurdle. So I definitely think that's really powerful. And also, you know, it's interesting because we're going through such a massive worldwide kind of business change where everyone's kind of trapped at home. I was actually not allowed to leave my garden for three months, even though we haven't had a single sick person on my island. They still locked everyone in their houses. I said, but no one's sick. And, hmm. you know, they do things like go door to door, take everyone's temperature. I'm like, yeah, but we've been here for six months. You don't, don't allow anyone to leave the island. No one's, no one's sick, but we still have restrictions everywhere. Even if you live in the smallest place in the world or the most populous city, how have you seen marketing and online marketing especially change as more and more people are at home, more and more people are using Zoom just like we are right hmm. now? How has that market shifted and how is it going to impact how we do business this year and going forward? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, and and certainly, I mean, we've uh, we're experiencing a massive second wave here, and we're just going back into a more serious lockdown. So, face masks are now compulsory, and no visitors allowed in the house. So that's pretty drastic, and of course, that places a, a pretty strong restriction on in-person business. What I've what I've seen is, I mean, a lot of people that had businesses that were reliant on in-person training rooms or in-person speaking have been really hit hard initially and they're all looking to pivot their programs and as they pivot their programs to online they suddenly realize that hey I've got access now to a much bigger audience (laughs) all of a sudden you know we can do this I mean we're doing this halfway across the world we're in a similar time zone but a lot of my podcast I speak to people in the US or in Europe um, there's no restriction. doesn't matter where they are. Um, we just have to get the time zones right. And so this has opened up possibilities for people that weren't used to working online. What I'm seeing happening as a result of that is all of a sudden my inbox is being filled up with, oh, we're running this webinar tomorrow morning. Uh, jump on at this time. Here's the link. Or we're running this free training. Here's the link. So everybody all of a sudden is sending out mass emails with their offers of live events and you know the other thing of course that's happening this is in some ways is a positive because i'm attending podthon this year which was scheduled to be in dallas texas in october and now they've turned it into a virtual event i wasn't planning to go to dallas texas this year in october i hadn't budgeted for that but i've always wanted to go to podthon so when it went virtual i said right that's it i'm in it makes it really easy for me the Bottom line from, you know, people that are trying to get their message out there is that it's gotten much more noisy now because all of a sudden there's a lot more people now putting out offers that involve jumping into a virtual event. So what that means for every marketer, I think, is you've got to find ways to stand out from that noise. And again, I say, you know, the first thing to do there is really understand who you're dream clients are, who your ideal audience is, and just deepen the relationship with that audience. Because if you have a really strong relationship, a deep relationship with your core audience, then when you send an email to their inbox, they'll be looking at your email, even though it's it's in amongst 
a thousand other emails. But because of that relationship, they'll be looking at that. And the other thing I think is really important, and, and we're seeing some really great examples of this, but we're also seeing really bad examples, is kind of doing the right thing by people now and having some empathy with people. So some people are losing their jobs. Some businesses are suddenly finding their cash flows dried up. So, you know, if there's ways to help those people, I've had customers that have had cash flow dry up. And so I've said, well, let's put the program on hold that you're doing. Now I'll continue to support you. In fact, you can stay in the program and you can kind of catch up on the payments when COVID's over and, and your revenue's back to some sense of normality. And to me, that is the right thing to do because if I were in that position, I, I'd kind of like to think that my suppliers did that for me. And, you know, there's examples of people that have done that. For example, there's a coffee shop in, I think it's San Francisco, it might be Los Angeles though, that, and it's an Australian that runs this coffee shop. That's why I was sort of alerted or <laughs> paid attention to it. And instead of closing down and instead of charging for the coffee, they basically kept all their employees on. They did takeaway coffees, but delivered them to all the businesses and particularly to the healthcare workers that they were sort of in an area where there were a lot of healthcare facilities. So they delivered that coffee a couple of times a day. It's free just for you. Thanks for doing what you're doing to help. And, you know, I thought that's, that's a great example. I mean, it, there's a cost to that, obviously, but after the pandemic, if they're geographically located in that area, where would those people go to get their coffee? I mean, that the loyalty the, that that builds up is just so strong. So it's kind of, you know, putting those investments into long-term relationships by just doing the right thing by people, which to me is human marketing again. Yeah, I think that as people start to shift to the corporate mindset, they often forget the value of goodwill whether you call it goodwill or positive energy or karma, like I've always found, and definitely it's a core tenet of my business, is that giving is one of those powerful ways to form a relationship. Like over-giving, over-delivering is how you can start to separate yourself from the noise. Because so many people's idea is, let me give the bare minimum. And then I've always believed, let me give as much as I can, because then I'll be the person that when they're ready to make a purchase, when they're ready to go to the next level, I'm the one who's given them so much value and so that's why i do this podcast that's why i do hmm. facebook lives every day that's why i put out so much content and blog post content while i was putting out more and more free content because it's you know you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar and yet it's amazing how many businesses are like you know we just had an issue now actually they cut off one of our internet connections because they go oh you didn't make the last payment no we sent them the receipt yesterday proving that we'd sent it right they're like oh we'll check within 24 hours to get back to you i'm like guess what? I don't want to do business with you guys anymore. You made a mistake, hmm. and especially right now. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, all these, there's all these people that are kind of just being really, really miserly or really tough right now on everyone. And it's like, all you're doing is building up a lot of ill will. And that's not yeah, a really good that's business right. model. They forget that chasing a penny today can cost you dollars in the future. But I think this has been an amazing presentation. I did want to ask you one last thing. You have a podcast called Tales of Marketing Transformation. I'd love to hear a little bit about mm. that as we wind down this amazing interview. Yeah. Yeah. Tales of Marketing Transformation is all about, you know, the whole philosophy of what we talked about. But what I do there, and I'm challenging myself a little bit to use stories and metaphor to explain 
principles around marketing. So I talk a lot about personal experiences I've had, and they may be personal experiences that are totally unrelated to business. Like I talk quite a bit about my photography or my bicycle riding passion. So they're my two kind of non-business passions. And I relate experiences or stories I have there, or it may be a business experience, and then use that to illustrate a lesson as part of this whole transformational marketing. So it might be, for example, I did one recently on customer experience and I talked about focusing on doing the right thing at every touch point with a customer because, you know, and these are, I contrasted two experiences I had with two different companies where I was an, an existing customer. I'd purchased products and I was using the products and I had issues. In both cases, there was a product failure and the experiences that I had in getting the product repaired were kind of chalk and cheese and I contrasted those and then I talked about the entire customer experience and every touch point that we have with the customer how that either can create a heightened level of certainty or of loyalty like your example of the internet service provider that you know that experience that one touch point if you like you know took away from the trust bank account whereas it would have been very easy to actually contribute to the trust bank account. I mean, it wouldn't have cost them much to say, Jonathan, we made a mistake. We're going to credit you one month, one month service to compensate for that mistake. That would have cost them effectively nothing. And yet it would have turned you into a, a loyal fan. So I talk about those kind of things in Tales of Marketing Transformation, where I take a real life experience like that one, generally ones that I've experienced personally, I kind of talk about my emotions and feelings that I have coming out of that experience and then relate that back to a, a marketing lesson. So that's, and I'm finding that quite challenging in many ways because coming up with that connection, connecting those dots is, is something that I'm learning by doing this and also doing a solo episode. I'm finding it quite easy to have a conversation like this on my other podcast where I have people on as guests like you do, but a solo podcast is quite a different challenge. So, so it's kind of in one way, it's a growth thing for me, but hopefully I'm actually contributing to my listeners as well. That's really fascinating to me because this is primarily a solo podcast out of 220 or so episodes. There's only 10 interviews, you know, we're trying to add oh, okay. in more and more interviews, mm. but these are, these are the challenge for me because there's always a tech issue. That's why I'm in the garden today. That's why the water <laughs> pump went off. The dog started barking. There's, so I'm always like, if there's no one there for me to like annoy, I'm always afraid that the Zoom won't start, the internet will go out because the internet goes out all the time here. Right now the internet's out. That's why I'm on my cell phone because the main internet conks out. It only works a couple hours a day right now. It's a fun season. And last night we had no power <laughs> for six hours. So it's interesting you're having the opposite challenge, but it is good. You know, they say that learn something, master something and teach it to get to that highest level. So by doing and teaching. It's definitely helped me to expand my wings as I try new things. Where can people connect with you? Where can people find this new podcast? Well, it's on talesofmarketingtransformation.com. So it's pretty simple. Um, the website's there and it's got all the episodes and blog posts there associated with it. And then my main website is innovabiz.com, I-N-N-O-V-A-B-I-Z.com.au. And that's, that's got the Innova Buzz podcast in it. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here, Jurgen. We really appreciate you. Really appreciate you adapting to my surprise garden situation. Thank you so much uh, for being here. Thanks, it's Jonathan. Thanks amazing. for having me on the show. Yeah, no, it's wonderful to have you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I do. 
Copywriting is a passion of mine and getting started doesn't have to cost a penny. I've put together a collection of some of the greatest ads of all time and some exercises to get you started. You can get my ultimate swipe file right now at servermaster.com forward slash ultimate.